to the Blank Check episode on all that jazz. Man, it was a good episode. I highly recommend it if you are a big musical nerd fan. Because you know who guessed it. I think I told you like over text who guessed it on it, right? No? Yeah, well, it was Lin-Manuel Miranda, which is like the biggest name they've ever got to guess on. Although, I will say this Bob Fosse series, they've been pulling out all the stops. They had Rachel Zegler for uh, Cabaret. But I just felt like it was interesting to listen to because, you know, you're, like, you're hearing Lin-Manuel Miranda talk about, like, Jonathan Demme. And it's like, whoa, like, it makes sense that he's a movie nerd. Everything about him, like, it's like, oh, yeah, he's here just talking about movies. Obviously, they brought him on because he did the Fosse Verdun miniseries. And also, he's Lin-Manuel Miranda. They probably like, hey, we're doing a Bob Fosse series and we know you listen to the show. Do you want to come on? And he's like, yeah, give me all that jazz, you know? Or maybe he was like, give me Cabra. And they're like, well, Rachel Zegler already took that one. <laughs> and she's like... A 20 year old girl so we're not gonna like tell her sorry you can't have that and he's like all right give me all that jazz uh how did they know that he listened did he like tweet about them and then they were uh, like apparently he emailed them because i told i actually mentioned this last week i think is that they did a series they've done a couple series on animation directors they did one on brad bird which i haven't listened to yet but they also did one on ron and john who are the guys who did no they didn't beauty be sorry they did aladdin they did hercules they did treasure planet and their last feature was moana so he gave them an email apparently after their Moana episode. He's like, yo, just want to let you know, I really like this podcast and I like what you said about me. <laughs> like, you know, like, obviously he came up in the Moana episode because you can't really talk about that movie without talking about Lin-Manuel Miranda. You see all these interviews of actors and it's a very different setting than them, like, he is an actor, you know, but he's like everything. He's a multi-hyphen. I would, I would say that people wouldn't, that wouldn't be his first adjective on Wikipedia. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, you always see these like direct, and in this case, actually in this contest, like, he's a director on a press tour being like, oh yeah, when Andrew and I did this on the set of Tick, Tick, Boom, but it's way different, way more different ones, like in a casual conversation with these podcast hosts you always listen to. He's like, yeah, you know, Andrew didn't really think he could sing. We have to hope that Lin-Manuel Miranda is not a fan of the podcast if he wants to come on the podcast. Any Anyone who wants to come on our podcast, we'd be happy. Well, let me rephrase. Anyone involved with Pixar who wants to come on the podcast, we'd be happy to have come on. And if you're a multi-hyphenate like Lin-Manuel Miranda, we'd be happy to have you too. <laughs> I thought about sharing this kind of... I watched a YouTube video that's about an hour-long lecture on a juggling notation called Sight Swap, which I've heard about a lot, and it's just a way of using numbers to write down what throws you do. If you see, like, TikTok jugglers, sometimes what they're doing, if they're doing a lot of, like, really high throws versus, like, if they're doing, like, you know, behind-the-back tricks or, or, you know, they're crossing their arms, that's not what... I feel like talking about juggling specifics on a podcast is probably the worst venue to do it. I feel like you can't really talk about specifics in juggling without doing gestures. I'm sorry, my my segment is slightly different from yours. Yeah. Let me see if I can... Who directed Fury Road? George Miller. All right. George Miller's probably not cool. What? Why? (laughs) All right. I don't know. I tried to... I thought you would like my segment more if I tried to make enemies. I mean, I'm excited for the new George Miller movie. It looks really good. I got it when I... Well, I I guess that makes one of us George Miller. Wow, okay. Anyway. Game time. This is the Letterboxd game. Last night after we recorded, I said to Mark, I'm so tired, I gotta go to bed. Instead, I stayed up for four hours. You wanna know why? Why? Because, much like everyone on Twitter is sharing their sight and sound pics... They're, they're really well, doing like, the next one? Well, like, critics are sending them out. Like, they're tweeting them out, and it's like, yeah, because it's going to be revealed in November, but a lot of critics are like, yeah, here's what mine would be, you know? But if you remember, uh, a couple, well, around when we started this podcast, actually, I was part of, like, a voting party of people who were, like, voting on the best 2002 movies, and now we're doing our, we do it every two years, our voting on the best films of all time. Now, 
Normally what I do is I just add the couple movies I've seen over the last two years that I think would make my list. This year I took a look at my list and I was like, you know, I don't think it's really fair for some of these movies that I haven't seen in over five years to still be on this list. Because I don't know if I still like these, you know? Very specifically to call out, there is this film called Train Man that I really liked in high school. It's a Japanese film that was shown to me in Japanese class. And I was like, wow, that was really good. I have not seen it since then. From what I remember the plot, I'm like, you know, I think if I saw this today, I wouldn't like it. But here it is sitting on my, uh, like, number 65 on my greatest films of all time list. Because I just, because I always just keep a running rank. I keep a running rank on a, a website called Flickchart that just is like, here are every movie you've ever seen ranked. So what I did this time was, I went through and removed the films I haven't seen the last five years. Also, I only allowed five films from each year because just naturally, you know, I've seen more films from recent years and I don't like my list being top heavy with recent stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, took me an hour to do, like, like not an hour, it took me like two and a half hours to do this because I really just had to keep cross-checking, like, when did I watch this movie last? When did I watch this movie last? So, I have a new top 100 of all time, which is missing a lot of movies I would say, like, Boyhood's not on here. Boyhood used to be my number two, but I haven't seen it in over five years, so I just removed it. So, this week... On the letterbox game, instead of you picking a number one through ten, you're going to pick a number one through a hundred. And I'm going to pick a movie that I've seen in the last five years that it would be in my top 100 of all time. Now, to review for the listeners, because I never gave the spiel, the letterbox game. Letterbox has added a feature that a lot, letterbox, which is a social media site for movies and writing movie reviews, has added an algorithm that allows you to see the most related films to the movie you just watched. This game is a game where I give Mark the top five films, and he has to guess what movie it was. Now, I remove any film by the same director and any film in the same franchise. After two guesses, I give Mark the year. Then he gets two more guesses, which with each additional guess, I'll give him another movie. And if he can't get it with seven movies, he loses. So, Mark, pick a number, one through a hundred. Seven. Okay, your five films are... I just got to say, these, uh, I'm looking at these, all, all seven of the ones you're going to get, and uh, none of them are going to be that helpful, I feel like. But it's okay. We'll see. Your five films are Forrest Gump, The Family Man, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Little Woman, The Greta Gerwig One, and Saving Mr. Banks. Maybe it's a classical story. I want to say small scale. And you're also my guessing what my seventh favorite movie of all time is. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know if I could, like, reason that out, because I think your your list swings a little more contemporary than mine does. But, I mean, you know, uh, Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private Ryan is not the answer. It is not in the top 20, and I've actually never seen Saving Private Ryan. It's a big blind spot for me. It is. I know, that is, it's a fact. <laughs> I need to watch it. It's Tom Hanks, or it's some kind of, like, public figure. Big. Uh, never film, not in the top 25, not the answer, and a film that is a blind spot. I don't think that's as big a blind spot as Saving Private Ryan, even though I think I might like it more than Saving Private Ryan. It definitely seems like a Danny movie, from what I've heard. It definitely is, and I think, I mean, I wouldn't be, it might it might be a little high on your list, but I wouldn't be surprised if you put it on this list just to be like, you know what, this is a well-made and culturally significant thing. Alright, now I'm going to give you the year, and you're going to feel really dumb about the direction you've been guessing. The year is 1946. Mr. Deeds Goes to Washington? No. Uh, and Mr. Deeds Goes to Washington is not in the top 25. Your next film you get is Collateral Beauty, <laughs> the Will Smith bomb. <laughs> from, I think, uh, is it 2017? Oh, 2016. Notorious? It's pretty notorious. I think I'm, like, way off on the year. 
Oh, I thought you were saying Notorious is the, like, the no, bottom of being no. a Notorious Bob. You're right, Danny. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, no, is it's not Notorious, and I'm Notorious is... Notorious, question mark? It's not Notorious. Notorious is not in the top 25. Your final film you get, and then I'll read all seven of them again, is The Bishop's Wife. So your seven films are Forrest Gump, The Family Man, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Little Women... 2019, Saving Mr. Banks, Collateral Beauty, and The Bishop's Wife. His Girl Friday? No, but that's probably the film you've said. I haven't seen Notorious, and I haven't seen... Oh, Mr. Deeds Goes to Washington is fine. It's whatever. But that's probably the one you've said that I like the most. <laughs> the one you just said. What was it again? Am I I'm thinking sorry. Mr. Smith Goes to Washington? Isn't Mr. Deeds the Tyler Perry character? Mr. Deeds is the Adam Sandler one. What I will say is, uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington was your closest All guess. Right. Which, which Mr. am I talking about? Oh, wait. Is it It's a Wonderful Life? Yeah, but that's your... You don't win. You don't win. Oh, that no, was well, your well, guess. You just guessed already before it's that. So, it's so anticlimactic. I was building that. I was okay. like, Mr. Deeds Goes Washington was the closest, or Mr. Smith, whatever it is. It's it's Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Let me see who mis- what Mr. Mr. Deeds Mr. Deeds is an did. Adam Sandler movie, I'm pretty sure. But I don't know if it's a remake. Oh, but you know why i'm thinking that it's mr deeds goes to town let me just type in mr deeds here and see how many all right there's mr deeds that is adam sandler mr deeds goes to town is a frank capra why is he on mr smith goes to washington and a mr deed goes to town it was tyler perry's good deeds my google (laughs) autofill (laughs) my google autofill is is really here listening and helping me out here all right give me another number one it is a good movie 30 I would be happy just kind of picking around your top 10 because It's a Wonderful Life is an interesting choice and not a wrong one, but it really like shows me where your head is at. So I kind of want to pick lower numbers. All right. Well, you picked 30 for this one, so you can go lower on the next one. All right. The films are Superbad, Booksmart, The Other Guys, The Heat, and Let's Be Cops. Lady Bird? No. And is Lady Bird in the top 25? It is not. Police story? All right. The year is 2012. <laughs> it's like a cop comedy? Could be. Anchorman? No. Anchorman's my 2002. <laughs> You're off by like 10 years. Uh, Maybe 2004. Is Anchorman... In, uh, Anchorman is not in the top 25. That's kind of a surprise, actually. Um, the next one you get is Super Troopers. What came out in 2012? Is it The Dark Knight? <laughs> No! It's not like, what? Would you okay, I'm just saying, like, The Dark Knight's most related film besides the other well, movies in the okay. trilogy was okay. super bad? What? Okay, it has cops, and there is a clown in it, and I think it came out around that time. The Dark Knight is 2008, and it is not in the top 25. The final film is Central Intelligence, which is that Rock and Kevin Hart movie that came out in 2016-ish. So the seven films were Superbad, Booksmart, The Other Guys, The Heat, Let's Be Cops, Super Troopers, and Central Intelligence. I really don't think it's this, but is it 21 Jump Street? It is 21 Jump Street. You are correct. And 22 wow. Jump Street is a film I had to remove from Most Related. Oh, because I was in college in 2015, so I was in high school in 2012. I was not in grade school. Yeah, I was going to say, so, uh, yes. 21 Jump Street came out 
junior no sophomore year for me and i'm only like a year ahead of you i think and i also i don't think i've dropped the story on the podcast which is um i had a really cool sociology teacher he basically was like yeah we're gonna watch a movie in this class at the end of every unit i let you guys pick as long as it's a movie related to it and it's not a movie that has like graphic nudity it's like it's gonna be r-rated i just can't like have like a lot of nudity in it because i'll get in trouble for that but it could be r-rated yeah we watched like project x we watched The Breakfast Club, which is a bit lamer, but for social deviancy in high school, we chose 21 Jump Street to watch in class, <laughs> which was really fun. Well, because they're social deviants. They aren't, they don't fit in with the norms. They're, they're old. <laughs> was this around the same time that you got in trouble for watching the movie that wasn't The Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah, I guess it was semester after. You had this other guy, like, letting you watch R-rated movies. I mean, I was in public school. That's the point of my church stories that most people in my church went to homeschool. And so they were, like, way more like, <gasps> scandalous, you know, about, like, a lot of things. Oh, you were scandalized at Sunday school or whatever? Yeah. Not actually at people public school? Yeah, that, oh, was a, yeah. that was a church. All right. I understand now. The final okay. number... Unless you want to do a fourth round, I'm not going to... Yeah, um, well, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, let's do four and then we'll see. I would All love right, to so revisit four. this, actually. We're kind of getting up where we need to be on time, I think. Like number four? Yeah, four. Aren't we going to do another one after this, or is it just this one? I want to do the number four, and I realize now that that was a poor choice because we were just talking about doing a fourth one, but I do want to do four. But do you, who's on first? Like, <laughs> do you want to do one after this? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> That's what I'm confused by. Thank you. So the films are Toy Story, Wreck-It Ralph, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Robots, Toy Story 4. I feel like it has something to do with games or video games while being animated. But it's also, can't the, uh... Like, the Wreck-It Ralph franchise, because I just said Wreck-It Ralph. Well, I, I kind of thought Wreck-It Ralph 2 wouldn't be number four <laughs> yeah, on your I list of like the Wreck greatest movies of all time. I about that movie on record multiple times. <laughs> Even if you hadn't, I would be surprised if it's up here. Wally? No, and Wally is not in the top 25. I'm going to guess contemporary, although that kind of foiled me before. Shrek? No. Is Shrek, Shrek weirdly actually, I'm surprised, Shrek is not in the top 25. The year is 2014. All right. So probably so around the same time I was watching Torian Jump Street in school. <laughs> Let's be real, that's like the same yeah, semester. Yeah, and this, <laughs> this would have been me finishing high school. Or going, maybe, I don't remember when this came out. Secret of the Kells? No, Secret of the Kells is the worst film by that studio in my opinion, and it's nowhere near touching this top 100, and it's uh, not in the top 25. Well, there's that one and the Seal one. Are you saying that Wolf Walkers is the best one, and it's the only one I haven't seen? I would say so, yes. Um, anyway, the next one is... Next film. It's not going to help you that much. Wreck-It Ralph 2, Ralph Breaks the Internet. Yeah, alright. Um... I'll just say this right now. I started at SIU a year before Mark did. If Mark was at school the year, I, the first year I was, he would definitely know this movie. Because <laughs> I would not have sh probably shut up about it at the time. <laughs> uh, none of this is helpful. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to say, um. uh, for the record, right now, even before you guess, I do have an encyclopedic knowledge of... When movies came out, I know exactly the release date of this film. I'm just playing like, oh, maybe it came out then, or maybe it came out then in that year, because I don't want Mark to, like, 
get a hint that way. <laughs> good, good that you save your cred with the audience. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> be like, oh, he was lying. You know, I really don't know. I might have to. I might have to tap out on this one. Yeah, I mean, you get another because the only things I think are not in that ask, year, so I don't want to. Uh, like... Just guess a cartoon. Because hey, maybe you'll, maybe you'll guess a random one that is in the top twenty-five, and that might help you. Okay, is it Ponyo? No, Ponyo's not in the top twenty-five. All right, you're, I'm going to read you your final film, and then I will recap the listeners again. I don't think this is going to help you too much. Your final movie you get is Toy Story Two. <laughs> So the films are fantastic. <laughs> All right. The the, the um, four films you the seven films you have are Toy Story, Wreck It Ralph, Spider Man Into the Spider Verse, Robots, Toy Story Four, Wreck It Ralph Two, Ralph Breaks the Internet, and Toy Story Two. Just throw out any animation guess that you think would make. Just guess an anime movie that you think might be my top five ever. Rango. Rango is not it. And it's not a top 25, but I just decided to add a new rule to this game, which is you get a bonus guess because I'm about to give you an extra hint. And this will only be in this specific circumstance in that I took out two films from the top five. So now that you know there are two other films related to this, either by director or franchise, you get one more guess. Um, was it The Wind Rises? No. Also, I didn't say this to you, is that I don't like Ponyo. Ponyo is the worst Miyazaki I've seen. Um, so... You should watch The Wind Rises. I, I should. I should actually watch all the Miyazaki films I haven't seen, because I say it's the worst one I've seen, but I've seen, like, four of them. So, like, I should watch... Well, I should sit down someday and watch them all. All right. So, I'm going to tell you what this is. Uh, I could tell you that the two films that I removed are because of... The franchise it's in, not because of the director. I could say that in 2014, there was a big animated movie that was snubbed by the Oscars, that, which is the reason I kept talking about it, because I was, couldn't believe it got snubbed. And then I could point oh, out... I might know it. And then I could point out that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse is written by the directors of this movie, not directed yeah, by okay. them. So, Mark, what is it now that I've basically revealed it to you? The Lego movie? Yes, it is the Lego movie. <laughs> Uh, give me give me your top 10 all right let's make new content content every time but i think everyone is wondering what your top 10 movies of all time okay i have to disclaim with a super hardcore okay this is a list that i made more to submit to a ranking thing all right which means there is a film on here that i do not personally feel comfortable saying right now would be my actual top 10 of all time the reason I said it yeah. is that all that jazz yeah. is on the t- top ten. This is not something I normally say. A movie like I need to be very clear about that because I feel like that would ruin my cred incredibly. But it's also like you know it's a voting thing. I feel like a lot of people haven't seen all that jazz, so I put it up in the low rank. I I watch films and immediately put them in my top ten. All right, so num- you're just succumbing to peer pressure. So number ten, Schindler's List. Number nine, Mad Max Fury Road. Number eight, The Prestige. Number seven, It's a Wonderful Life. We already said that. Six, All That Jazz. That's where All That Jazz comes in. Five, Coco. Four, The Lego Movie. Three, The Lion King. Two, The Empire Strikes Back. And number one, I'm curious, Mark, do you know what my favorite movie of all time is? Because I'm actually, I'm, it's been my favorite movie of all time for like, honestly, ever since I met you. And I'm pretty sure it's come up. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you've mentioned it, but I don't remember what it's it is. It's The Truman Show. The Truman Show is my favorite movie of all time. Yeah, I do remember you telling me that, but I don't remember... Let me give you just some quick stats on my list, okay? Just for fun. Okay. The newest film on my list is Luca, which comes in at 57. 
The oldest film on my list is The Gang's All Here, which I've talked about on this podcast before, which is at 58. The highest average rating on Letterboxd, this is kind of boring. The highest average rating on Letterboxd, obviously, is Parasite. That's the number one movie on the website. It comes in at 23. But the lowest rated film on the website on Letterboxd is, um, Mark, if I was to tell you that there's a movie on my list that's a recent blockbuster that is really controversial and makes people rate it low on social media sites, what movie do you think that is? I mean, I know mine is Transformers Five. No, 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 no. I don't know. I'm being very. Yeah, I know, I know, but I'm like, I'm very specific here. Is that people online hate this movie? I think normal people are either like they like it, they think it's whatever, that's okay, but they don't hate it. Like people on the internet hate this movie. Is it? Is it Sonic the Hedgehog? It's Star Wars: The Last Jedi. <laughs> oh, okay. My next guess was going to be Morbius. I don't know. You know, The Last Jedi. <laughs> Why do you think I'm Morbius? I'm top hundred. I don't know. <laughs> the last thing I will say... I think it was... I, mean, I, I want to say just... It was really exciting when it came out, but it's kind of just gone back to being like a regular movie. I should rewatch it because I haven't seen it in a couple of years, but I don't know when I'll get around to it. Um, all right. And then the last stat is the shortest film on my list is The Emperor's New Groove, which is 79. And the longest film on my list is Lawrence of Arabia, which comes in at 70. Can I tell you what my top five movies are? Sure. Is this just... These are my top five, or is it, these are my top five, this is the best one, and then it's number two, number three, like, or is it just a list of five movies? No, I mean, it's kind of in the order of best, but they really, I mean, that's my caveat, is, the the reason this is interesting to me is I wrote this list when I was in high school, and I was thinking about it because we were talking about high school. It hasn't really changed. This is not something that I would say is, like, the best films of all time. I think the best film of all time is Shoah. But Shoah is not in my top five because it just doesn't. So it's like it's how like I have a personal. My favorite movie of 2019 is Jojo Rabbit, but I think the best movie of 2019 is Parasite, like that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So my top five, my personal top five goes uh, 2001. Makes my list. Go on. Number one, Love Exposure. Haven't seen. Harakiri. Oh, I've heard of it. Haven't seen it. F is for Fake. Good movie. I should rewatch it. Not in film school context. And Boogie Nights. Boogie Nights is what I have to see, and I missed the 35mm print being screened here. I didn't Truly, re- the, the most different part about this is that you just haven't seen most of the movies on my list. Maybe you've seen all the ones on mine? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I... Except for Parasite Cats. I didn't recognize that one. What? It was before The Emperor's New Groove. I think it was just Parasite. <laughs> I just said Parasite. I don't know why you got cats <laughs> out of it. I, I, like, what? Cats should make my list next time. I don't time. know if, some, <laughs> if Parasite Cats was some, like, I feel like if secret, Cats was on my list, like, it Russian would, animation. I feel like Cats would top. Uh... Although, okay, last stat. I forgot to check this. Cause I feel like saying what my most popular movie is boring, but I'm curious what my least popular movie on my list is. Yeah. Is it? Oh, I think it might be. Yep, never mind. It's Gangs All Here. Second least popular is Madeline's oh, yeah. Madeline, which also Gangs makes- All Here is great, though. I watched about half of that, and I totally got what you mean. You gotta finish it. The ending's so good. <laughs> and I will say, I know Love Exposure has not aged super well. I have to put it on my list as, like, movies that, like, cracked my mind open. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. All right. Let's talk about the so, list. I was going to move into our segment, then I realized you never actually put it Oh, that's, I was, <laughs> that's, I was like, we didn't do my, my thing, but I, because I was, I don't know, it's just fun talking about what your favorite movies are. In the game of lists, or as it is kind of becoming is sort of Mark's movie trivia, 
This episode exists today because we're going to eventually talk about Jerry's Game. And Jerry's Game won the Oscar for Best Animated Short. It was the second one to win Best Animated Short after Tin Toy. And the year before, Toy Story... Second Pixar one. Um, Let's have that on the record. You misspoke. You said second movie, period. <laughs> I was like, okay. Other, other movies were doing this. But Toy Story got a special commendation the year before. And anyway, this got my brain onto, you know, Pixar... Pretty much every year when they release an animated feature, it wins in the category of best animated feature. And we could talk about shorts because that's what Jerry actually is and actually won, but I didn't want to do that. So we're going to talk about the list of best animated feature films at the Oscars. Gotta say, uh, challenging Danny on Oscar trivia, the host of an Oscar podcast, always like, who's the only person on our podcast? Like, let's talk about the ceremony. You're you're gutsy. Well, I could... (laughs) I'm going to make this one a little more difficult for you. What was the first Pixar film to win the Oscar for Best Animated Feature? And also, name the two films that won before. The Incredibles is the first. I should also mention just real quick, the Best Animated Feature category didn't exist until like I, 2000. I, I'm, I'm well aware of this, Mark. I, as I said, you're, these are going to be I know, I'm easy. saying for the listeners. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Well, The Incredibles won just, first. I, might, I don't know if that sounded uh, like a weird... The Incredibles won it first... For Pixar. And before it, the first winner is Shrek. So Shrek won it first, and then Spirit Away won the second year. All right. So actually, the first one to win was Finding Nemo, not The Incredibles. Oh, you're right. I'm stupid. I don't know why I said that. Of course I know. Of course I know Finding Nemo's for The Incredibles. Oh, my God. Kick me off this podcast. This this episode is we destroy Danny's cred. You know how I got screwed over? It's because I remember, for some reason, my mind... Remember, the categories introduced in 2002, but it awards 2001 movies, but my mind just was like, okay, so I'm thinking about 2004 Oscars, Incredibles came out 2004, so I just completely forgot the year 2003 existed. You know what I mean? That's how this happened. <laughs> Makes but, sense. Yeah. Um, but, oof, that that's embarrassing. When, <laughs> that is when Steve Martin hosted the Oscars. And you quiz me an Oscar host, I'd, I'd suck on that. <laughs> It'd be really Yeah, bad. I know, but this, this is because I was watching, I think maybe it was because I was watching Steve Martin videos. He hosted it in 2003, and as they were doing the telecast, they announced the Iraq War. So that was like part of that night, got it cutting back and forth between the Oscars and like war updates. Little factoid there. All right, my, my, um, my fun all right, fact that I know... question. Wait, 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 my fun fact... I wanted to say about Shrek, which is that, as far as I'm aware, maybe I'm wrong, maybe someone can call me out on this, but I'm pretty sure 2001 remains the only year that an animated film is nominated for both Best Original Screenplay and Best Adapted Screenplay, because Shrek was adapted and Monsters, Inc. was original. Shrek had a legit shot at Best Picture now, which I think is really funny. People forget, I mean, now Shrek's a meme, and people are like, yeah, Shrek's great, but Shrek really was a juggernaut when it came out. All right, so next question, moving a little bit into the future. Which Pixar film has had the most Oscar nominations? This one also happened to win Best Animated Feature, because of course... So in my mind, it's I have four choices here, okay? The Incredibles, because I know it had a lot of tech nominations, like sound editing and stuff. Up, because Up is the Best Picture one that got nominated everywhere, because it was, like the score was so good, obviously it won score. Other ones I'm thinking of are Wally, which obviously was up for a lot of sound stuff. I don't know. I can't remember what the other one I was thinking of was. My gut says because of all the very specific 
tech stuff involved and also the fact that I I know it got a score and a song nom. Although I don't know if it got a screenplay nom. If it got a screenplay nom that would clinch it. I think it's Wally. It is Wally. Okay. Wally was nominated for the best animated feature, best original screenplay, original score, original song, sound editing, and sound mixing. They didn't lose both the sound awards to Dark Knight. That's a dumb choice. I'm sorry. I love the Dark Knight, but like Wally's sound is incredible. It lost sound mixing to Slumdog Millionaire, and it lost sound editing to the Dark Knight. How do you not? Okay, okay, I get the Dark Knight. That's the thing is, I get the Dark Knight winning. But how do you give Slumdog Millionaire the Oscar over Wally in sound? I mean, I, I think the Dark Knight it didn't win a lot. Yeah, I know that, that year, except for the ones everyone knows. I mean, everyone knows the Dark Knight and Wally are the main reasons that the Oscar shifted to having more than five knobs because it was ridiculous they both didn't get in. Yeah. So we talked about the beginning. People kind of assume that if a Pixar film is nominated for Best Animated Feature, it's going to win, and this has been true for a number of years, including. When Wally was released, for a long time, any time Pixar put out a movie, it would get nominated and win. Okay. What was the film that broke this streak? Are you asking me, though, like... Because the film after Toy Story 3, which I know is the end of the streak, is Cars 2, which obviously I don't believe was nominated for Best Animated Feature. So are you asking me what won that year? Good, good correction. It is the first one to beat a Pixar film. So it was, the, be it was a time when a... Yeah, Pixar film had to be nominated... Okay. And lose. So let me let me talk through this. So after Cars 2 is Brave, which beats Wreck-It Ralph. I remember actually being mad at that because I think Wreck-It Ralph is a better film. Um, after Brave is Monsters U. I can't remember if it's nominated or not. I'm going to say it was nominated and it's Frozen. And if I'm wrong, can I keep guessing? Let me make sure. Yeah. All right. Monsters U was not nominated. So it wasn't Frozen with Monsters U. So, okay. After Monsters U goes 2014, you skipped. 2015 is the... I mean, technically a Pixar film is beat in 2015, even though The Good Dinosaur isn't nominated, but Inside Out wins. Finding Finding Dory, I remember, is not nominated. 2017 gets to Coco, which leads us to what I was thinking in my gut, but I wanted to think all the way through it, which is Incredibles 2 versus Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse ones. That is correct. Yeah. Good win. I think that actually is, yeah. I'd have to look at it, since Pixar started dominating the category, it wasn't just the highest grossing film that won. So, Shall we talk about The Old Man? Alright, Jerry's oh. Games. The short, the first Pixar officially produced thing that is not directed by John Lasseter. <laughs> directed by Jane Pinkab. Pink. Pinkeva, uh, sorry, buddy. Do you know uh, his Pixar connection that we would have moved on to, but he never actually he got kicked off? I think I do because I read it, but remind me. He's the first fired Pixar director because there's a moment like from the mid 2000s to the late 2010s where f- directors keep getting fired from their movies. He was working on Ratatouille. He got fired because the film wasn't working, and they brought on Brad Bird. But anyway, Jerry's game. What do you think, old man? It's well, I mean, it's a one a lot of people know. Um, old man plays chess with himself in the park. And I mean, I really like it. It's kind of hard to say a lot about it because it's just kind of tight and clever and it works. Unlike a lot of the other things, some of the other things we've talked about, which are just like gag reels, I really felt like having the human there. It just feels very cozy. Not a lot to say because a lot of what was incredible about this movie had to do with the animation developments about how they modeled faces and clothes which were incredible and hard to do, and they did them. I think this is the best short we've watched on our podcast so far, personally. The story arc works really well, and I think it does do that classic Pixar thing where it, like, 
takes a simple idea, like you're alone playing a game with yourself, and just escalates it to a really amusing level. It very joyously does not make any sense. <laughs> like, that is the fun of it, is that it makes no sense. Uh, and it embraces that, and I just think this is a really fun short. That's the podcast. No, sorry, go on. <laughs> <laughs> it almost is the podcast, but let me say that I watched this because it was connected to a Bug's Life. So when I was watching Bug's Life, this would be the thing that played before it, and that's how I thought of it. And I also thought that Bug's Life... And you've said you don't love it that much, but I think Bugs Life has a great atmosphere, and I think that Jerry's game is a great pairing for this because they both have that like nice outdoorsness. I have I don't think I've ever played chess games by myself, but you know at my job, I've seen kids okay. So they're in the global pandemic. Uh, my job reopened with putting the kids into like like seven kid pods of two adults there. And so we watched them while they were on remote school, and while they like were waiting in between Zoom meetings, uh, we just play games with them. And, you know, sometimes, you know, they don't really want to play with the adult because it's the adult. But none of their friends are, like, none of their other seven classmates, really, because it's not a lot of kids, you know, aren't out. So these kids would just learn, not chess, but Moncala and how to, like, do Moncala moves on their own. And that's what this short really reminds me of now. Not really my own childhood. Because it's a weird thing to say that I'm nostalgic for the pandemic. But I do kind of miss when my job was just, you have seven kids here. You can, like, be, like, work with them. And, like, know what they like and what they don't like. Because it was way easier. And you have a co- one co-worker. One co-worker <laughs> who does not drive you insane. Because <laughs> it's also, like, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, when we're talking about Toy Story, like, kids don't play with to- the kids don't play with toys anymore. And, like, that's ridiculous. People will always just play these games designed for two-player with themselves. And it's great that this short, like, exists. You know, because I don't think you can ever make a movie off of that idea. Um, cause I feel like most people would see this and then like, if they're compared to something recently, they're like, oh, it's Queen's Gambit and Anya Taylor-Joy is learning how to play chess playing with herself. But I'm like, no, this is like something like people do when they're bored and they want to learn strategy. I think that we are seeing, we're going to see more of physical comedy. That's kind of what I was talking about with, uh, Toy Story 1. It is inherently very appealing to children, but a lot of the humor we were talking about is like snappy one-liners. Yeah. And it's a lot of plays on adult film tropes, actually. Less, like, slapstick just designed for children. Yeah, and of course, Jerry pops up in Toy Story 2 in a major role. Yeah, and he's played by the evil doctor from Forbidden Planet, Robert Harrison, I think. Well, you just messed it up, because it's uh, Bob Peterson, a.k.a. Robert Peterson, who is a Pixar director eventually, and he'll actually come up a lot in this podcast, who I... Was very surprised to see his name in this because I didn't actually think he started at Pixar this early. He voices it, but then Jonathan Harris is the one who voices him in Toy Story Two. You said Bob. Jonathan you Harris. You said Robert. Man, <laughs> you you did, to our audience, I'm I'm trying to keep it together here. This whole episode has been like what just occurred. You know, you know that's something to talk about. Those yeah, seeing this attached to Bug's life, you kind of get an idea for what Jerry's character is, and then when he comes back and he's played by Jonathan Harris, he's very mean. And I did not like that. Well, you can't as a kid. rush out. <laughs> yeah, he sounds like Tom Hanks. Yeah, he just sounds like Woody. <laughs> like, <he> just have, <laughs> it, it was meant to be like no, a dual, just... uh, like a dualism of the soul symbolism. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I didn't like that. And they were on separate VHSs, so you, you could really separate these two characters and just be like, what? 
I actually don't want to say, because I mentioned it earlier when we brought it up, is that this is a short that I did not watch much as a kid um, compared to the other ones because I didn't like A Bug's Life. It just was not my... I don't think we own the VHS, let's be real. If I didn't own the VHS, I probably didn't watch it much. But So this is like something where it's interesting to me where I like it more as... It's kind of like Red's Dream where it's like, I have no real memory of this as a kid other than be like, oh, that one's about the old man. I don't really want to watch that. So watching it as an adult, I'm always like, oh yeah, this one's good. Like, I don't have memories of it, but it's good, which is always nice, you know? Everything I want to talk about, which is, I guess, not really related, but, like, when are we going go- to talk about this on the podcast is let's talk about relationship to the grand game of chess. <laughs> What's your opinion on chess? <laughs> I remember it was one of those things that I really never got good at, and part of that was I always played with people who were, like, better than me, which is supposed to make you, like, improve, but I just never really, like, saw a way in. Compared to what I do now, like, I have to, there are so many things I have to, like, pick up now in a relatively short amount of time, or or that I choose to pick up, and I think I'm much better now at learning how to measure progress and persevere when, and when I was younger, I was, like, in a chess club. I just wasn't very good, because it's hard to know the steps of getting better. You're just kind of in this void of, like, well, some people are better than me, and some people are worse, and it's hard to, like, bridge the gap. I can play chess, but in my childhood, it was sort of frustrating. My thing with chess has always been, you know, I used to think I was really good at it because I used to be able to beat my brothers all the time. But then, you know, you start working with kids and you realize, well, you're not really that great, Danny. Because these kids can beat you. thing is also is that I like playing chess with kids because even though I do get beat a lot by the kids, I'm still probably the adult at my job who can play it best. There's a viewpoint, I feel like, you know, if you're not their teacher and you just want to teach them the game, you want to throw it a bit. You know, you want to, like, give them a few easy wins and then maybe get a little tougher on them. I I personally never have that idea because I think, you know, like... Because you're bad at chess. Well, no, like, okay, the kids where I work all go to, like, they have the option to go to chess club. And so if they're going to ask me to play chess, it's probably because they play chess at chess club. Otherwise, they're going to be like, I don't want to play that. So I know all these kids regularly play chess with their friends and they might win against their friends. But they're playing against an adult and they want to, like... Because, you know, the second you throw a game, the accomplishment doesn't mean anything anymore to that kid because it's like, oh, well, like, it was so easy the other time, so this must just be a bad thing. No. No. I'm sorry. Like, uh, I'm going to try to beat a kid no matter what. Like, I, like comp- competitively, like, I always want to, like, win. Now, I'm not going to get mean about it. And if a kid starts, like, crying, I'm be like, maybe we should play something else, you know? But I'm also not going to be like, oh, here's my uh, knockout. You know, I'm not going to do that. And you know what? There's a kid. I remember very, like, specifically at my job. I'm first year here. I beat him probably 80% of the time, but now he can beat me anytime we play. So, like, it worked. <laughs> like, I <laughs> I did, like, what I was, like, I was where I was supposed to do. I'm like, yeah, now you're better than me. That's how this is supposed to work. Because if I just threw it to you, threw the game at you the first time, it wouldn't be cool that you can beat me now, right? Do you teach them if you win? I mean, you, like, I can, like, I can say, tell like, them, like, this is how they messed up. My big thing with playing chess with kids, and this drives me crazy, and it's very specifically because I know all these kids have the option to play at a chess club. When I'm beating a kid and another kid goes over to help, and I go, no, no, I'm only playing one kid right now. If you wanted to be on a team against me, you guys should have said from the beginning you wanted to be a team against me. But you don't get, like, you don't get help. Sorry, no, like... That's not how this works. <laughs> like, and like, I'm very I need tough my own love. kid from chess I'm in, club. I'm incredibly tough one. love on children in regards to like playing games. And I want to be like kids these days because I feel like this is true when I was a kid. It's like kid, need, one of the main things a kid needs to learn how to do when they first get introduced to like the social like area of school is they need to learn how to lose. 
So, like, I'm not going to just let them win because they're not going to learn how to lose. Thinking about, like, if you win, what do you tell them? I think it's really... I'm always, like, good game. Like, I, good job trying. We can try again tomorrow if you want. Well, yeah, I you mean, you, you, you're, you're, you can be polite about it. But I'm thinking about, like, you know, if I'm if I'm beaten by people, I very rarely have an understanding of why I lost. You know, you, re- you really have to learn a lot about the game before knowing why you lose. And, I mean, coming to terms with why you lost, and then it's like, oh, here's how I improve or just make peace with that. I think you you bring up something interesting. How do you learn how to lose and you're in like a vacuum of ignorance? That seems kind of that sounds kind of harsh, but do you know what I mean? I mean, but like, again, as lose... I said, where I work, I know for a fact all these children who are going to ask me to play chess because they're going to ask me to play chess if they like chess, right? We have so many other games. They can ask me to play a different game. The only kids that are going to ask me to play chess are the ones that are in the school-run chess club where they're being taught by professionals how to play chess. So I beat them. It's just like whatever. On Wednesday, I'm going to learn more chess strategies. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying you're doing nothing wrong and they're doing nothing wrong. Do you, do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean, though? Yeah. Because it's like, well, it was really in your end game. Well, no, your, yeah, yeah. Well, game. Well, okay, one thing I always it's do, do when I'm teaching kids chess is if, like, say, I saw something that's I accidentally because I do accidentally leave stuff open all the time. Just because I'm not that I'm I am not good at chess. I am like if I was to play another like professionals all in chess, I'd be beaten like five minutes. Older kids yeah. usually beat me, right? So it's like, but when I am playing a younger kid, uh, I accidentally leave myself open, and I see that, and they don't take me. I usually be explained like. Here's how you could have got me, and I couldn't have got you back. But then I make my move. I'm like, no undoes. You know, like, there are no undoes. But this is what you should be on the lookout for next time. Because you could have got me there because I messed up. You know? I I am a bit of a hypocrite. I'm a hypocrite my job at a lot of things. And one thing, you know, I'm like, I don't, I'm not playing two kids. But if I see a kid that's being destroyed by another kid at chess, I usually will sit down and help them. <laughs> because I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, you're not going to win anyway, but let's try to give, get a good fight going, you know? <laughs> but anyway, Jerry's game... This is fun. I like it. Chess. I liked it too. Yeah. What's next? Next week we're doing something that's called, it's kind of interesting, it's called Toy Story Treats. <laughs> ah. Yeah, very different. Uh, you can tell my very different because it will make no sense. Toy Story Treats. You called it tunes earlier. Yeah. Toy Story Treats were interstitials that were, I didn't say that word right, but they aired on one Saturday morning, the ABC block, in 1996, around the time Toy Story came out on DVD. But they are just very 15 second, 30 second shorts at the most, it's just the Toy Story characters. They are all animated by Pixar. This is the very important debut of a certain actor in the Toy Story cinematic universe. I'm referring, of course, to legendary actor Jim Hanks. Who always shows up as Woody? <laughs> the stuff that Tom Hanks refuses to voice for. <laughs> that will be what we talk All about. All right, that will be what we talk about next time. Looking for the Ocean, a Pixar podcast, is produced by Mark Young and Danny Vincent. Our original logo was designed by Sarah Kanoff. And you can find us at Facebook at Looking for the Ocean, a Pixar Journey. You can find us on Twitter at Pixar Journey and on Instagram at Looking for the Ocean Pod. You can also email us at Looking for the Ocean Pixar at gmail.com. If you want to know what I'm up to, everything is available on my website, markyoungperformer.com. You can listen to my other two podcasts, Wise with Ty and Dan and The Snub Club, wherever you can find your podcasts. You can also find me on Letterboxd at Blank Mints for all my takes on all the movies. We'll see you next time. See you next time.